Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you join us as we continue our series, Imagine. In this series, we're taking a look at some reasons to have a vision for life. And by having a vision, we're able to take advantage of opportunities that come along or avoid problems that happen to occur. This week, Lead Pastor David Fossil challenges us about listening to God as he points out that God is personal and wants to communicate with us. Join us as Pastor Dave gives us some pointers on how to hear from God and if we're not hearing, how we can fix that. At the conclusion of the lesson, Pastor Dave has us practice listening to God as we pray. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Samuel. If you have one of the church Bibles, we're going to be on page 187. Page 187, grab the study guide that's in your program as you're doing that. Let me just tell you a quick story. It's an old story. It's about this man who um, goes to the family doctor, and during his yearly checkup, he says to, to the family doctor, he says, you know, I'm actually very concerned for my wife because I think she's going deaf. And he says, well, okay, we're going to do this little exercise. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, uh, tonight when you're at home, I want you to say something to her. Um, and, and I want you to be like, you know, 15, 20 feet away. And if she doesn't respond, I want you to get about five, six feet closer and say the same thing again. And if she still doesn't respond, I want you to continue to do that until she finally responds. And so he, he's thinking about this. And so the time comes where it's, it, it's in the evening and she's in, in the kitchen and she's chopping some vegetables and her back is turned to him. And so he, he, he talks in her direction. And he says, uh, he says, honey, what are we having for dinner? No response. So he gets a little bit closer Honey, what are we having for dinner? Still no response. And he gets a little closer. Honey, what are we having for dinner? No response. He gets right behind her and he says, Honey, what are we having for dinner? She turns around. She says, For the fourth time, vegetable stew. That's what we're having for dinner. You know, a lot of times we think it's the other person that has a problem with hearing and listening. Today we're going to talk about, do we have a problem with hearing and listening? I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, spouses or parents to kids and so on and so forth. I'm talking about, do you have the ability to listen and hear God? That's really the question. It's a pretty pertinent question because um, you do realize that Christianity is the one world religion, the one world faith that believes in a God that is personal and wants to communicate with you. All the other major world religions do not believe in that kind of a personal God. Their faith teaches that, that, oh, you might get saved and be with God for eternity, but he has no interest in really actually communicating with you on a personal basis. In, in fact, most world religions believe if you, if you want to hear from God, what you got to do is you got to go through the priest, you got to go through the rabbi, you got to go through the pastor, and he'll tell you what God wants for you. We, we believe the Bible teaches something completely different. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a teacher at seminary for God to speak to you. He can speak and wants to communicate with you. And so the question I have for you is very simply this. Are you hearing him? Are you hearing him? And if you're not, I guess the issue and the question is, why not? So that's what I want to figure out with you. Now, now the topic is very pertinent for us as a church right now. We are in the midst of our Imagine campaign. We're looking to the future, trying to secure a future home for our congregation. 
Um, and, and so we've been talking about that. And since the beginning, we've said there's three principles that are going to guide us. N- number one is be informed. So we've had 10 communication meetings. Like we said, we have one left. I really would like you to be there next Sunday afternoon to hear all the details and nuts and bolts of what we're doing. Be informed. Second principle, listen to God. Not listen to Dave. Not listen to the youth pastor. Not listen to the elders. No, listen to God. And I'm hoping... Sometimes you can hear him speaking to you on a Sunday morning or a Bible study or a devotional guide. But the key is engage with God and hear what he wants you to do. And then the last one is sacrificially give. Today, I'm going to talk to you about that second principle, hearing from God. How do you do that? And if you're not hearing from God, why not? And what can you do to fix it? First Samuel chapter three is where we're going to be this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to there. Now, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of what Samuel chapter three is all about. First Samuel chapter three is the story of this kid called Samuel. Now, um, to give you some some background, Samuel is a temple intern. He's he's in preparation to someday be uh, a, a priest or a prophet. So he does what a lot of interns do. He didn't do all, all the important stuff. You know, they have him fold bulletins and they have him sweep the temple and they have him do the gardening outside. But he's hanging around at the temple. Right. He's living in the dorms. But he, in this story, he's actually going to go in a different direction. So it, that's who it is. And, and what's amazing is that in the story of 1 Samuel chapter 3, God doesn't speak to the high priest. He speaks basically to this kid, this temple intern by the name of Samuel. And there's four or five principles in this story that we can all apply to our life, not just to the Imagine campaign, but if you want to hear them as it relates to your family or your career or relationships, this is what you do. Step number one, if you're jotting down notes, you need to remove obvious barriers. You need to remove obvious barriers. First Samuel chapter three, verse one begins and it says this. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Now notice Eli is his boss. Eli's the priest. Eli's the one in the Old Testament with whom God would primarily speak. Samuel's working for him. But then it adds this at the beginning of chapter one. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There was not many visions. Now, this may be a strange way to start uh, uh, when we're talking and having a study on how to hear from God. But you need to acknowledge the obvious. And this is the obvious. Every once in a while, we go through dry spells. Every once in a while, we go through periods where we can't hear God. We do, even if you want to. Now, when you go through one of those periods, the first thing you need to do is try and identify why. Why am I not hearing from God? Now, in this case, in chapter three, the answer is very easy to identify and very obvious. All you got to do is go back to chapter two. And in, in verse 12, this is what we read. Let's put it on the screen. We are told that Eli's sons, now the high priest has his sons. He's the guy in charge and his sons are basically the the ones that run all the ministry. Eli's sons, it says, were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. When you read chapter 12, you're told why they were wicked. They were doing three things. Number one, they were taking sacrifices that belonged to the Lord. Number two, they were stealing from the offering. Number three, they were sleeping around with women in the temple. I think that would qualify as wicked. What do you think? I'm not sure that's what we want our religious and spiritual leaders doing. I'm pretty certain of that. And so God says, okay, that's what you want to do. If that's what the leadership, uh, spiritual leadership is how they're going to behave, then there's a good chance you're not going to hear me. Now, let's be clear. It doesn't mean that God stops talking. What it means is that we aren't able to hear him anymore. 
Let me give you an illustration from my childhood. I grew up in Spain, many of you know that, and uh, lived in Barcelona, right at the tip of Spain where the Olympics were. And when we took summer vacations, you know, we wouldn't go down to L.A. like you guys would do. Many times our family would travel to France. We were less than an hour and a half away from France. Kind of a fun vacation. We would go into France a lot of times. And I remember as a little boy, there was a section of France that we would travel through. And they had these incredible mountains. And, and they would, instead of having the roads go around the mountain, they went right through the mountain. And so they drilled this massive tunnel. You know how you're supposed to hold your breath when you go through a tunnel? You can't do it with these. It was like 10-minute tunnels going through the center of the mountain, right? And I remember as a little boy, there we were driving. The radio was on. We'd start to go into the tunnel, and the radio station would start to get fuzzy. We'd keep driving. Then it got very faint, and then eventually you couldn't hear anything. The radio was still on, but we couldn't hear anything. Now, the reason for that is not because the radio station stopped transmitting. The reason for that is because the mountain wouldn't allow the radio waves to get to our car stereo. The same is true with God when you're trying to listen to him. When you are doing this kind of thing, when you have repetitive, unconfessed sin in your life, that you kind of go, whatever, I'm just going to do it anyway. Repetitive, unconfessed sin in your life. God is still trying to speak to you, but what you don't realize is that it's like being inside of a mountain. It's like having wax inside your ears. You can't hear him. You just can't hear him. So I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Do you have repetitive, unconfessed sin in your life? Now, I know how the Holy Spirit works. If you do, he just popped it in your brain just like that, didn't he? Why can't you hear him? Because you still haven't removed that barrier. So step number one, remove the obvious barriers. Now, we all have sin. We all have sin, but it's those repetitive obvious sins that are unconfessed you have to get rid of them step number two get as close to god as you can i do not have the next verses on the screen so follow along in your bibles verse two it says one night eli the high priest whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see was lying down in his usual place so he was a little bit elderly you know they don't have glasses back in those days he can't see very well he's gone to bed for the evening he's got his little studio apartment he's not living in the dorm rooms he's got the nice studio apartment verse 3 the lamp of god had not yet gone out samuel was lying down in the house of the lord where the ark of god was then the lord called samuel that right away should be a surprise well, why isn't he calling the high priest now he's not calling the high priest he's going after this little temple intern essentially the lord called samuel Samuel answered, here I am. And then he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. He got confused. He thought it was his boss calling him. But but Eli said, I I didn't call you. Go back, lie down. So he went and lay down. Verse six, again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli, again, his boss. And he said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Now go back, lie down. Verse seven. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. When I talk to you about getting near to God, there are two ways that Samuel does that in this story. These two. Let's put them up on the screen. You've got physical proximity and spiritual proximity. Let me just walk them through with you. We read in verse two that Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord. That right away should be that's unusual. 
they really did kind of have like a dorm room for the interns. What is he doing sleeping in the sanctuary, essentially? What is he going sleeping at church for? We're told why. He, he's lying down in the house of the Lord because that's where the ark of God was. Now, the ark of God is also called in the Old Testament the ark of the covenant. The, the, this, is, this is what Indiana Jones was trying to find in the movie. This ark. This ark or box had a couple things in it. It had the Ten Commandment tablets. It had a jar of manna, which, what, the, what the Jewish people ate in the wilderness, and it had the rod of Aaron. It was meant to remind God's people of how he had provided for them. But here is the key about the Ark of the Covenant or, or, or the Ark of the Lord. It, it represented God's dwelling place among them. It was symbolically representing that is where God lives, right there in that Ark. So think of Samuel, a young kid. Well, if that's where God lives, I want to be as close to him as I possibly can. So he grabs his sleeping bag, and you can just imagine him sleeping right next to the ark. It says something about his heart. It says something about his spirit. It says something about his disposition. I want to hear from God. So I'm going to get as close to him as I possibly can. Now, let me make a clarification. That's Old Testament. In the New Testament, when Jesus dies on the cross for our sins and because of his shed blood, that all changes. From now on, he doesn't live only in a temple. From now on, he doesn't just live in church in this room. Oh, no, no. He lives in your home, in your condo, in your apartment, just as much as he lives right here. That's what's so amazing about what happened on the cross. But in Samuel's day, I'm going to go, I'm going to be as close as I can to God. And then this very interesting statement toward the end about spiritual proximity. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. What's going on there? Again, very different for us than it was for him. What's talking about for Samuel is that he had not heard from God in a way that he could become the prophet that he was to the Jewish people. For us, however, when this phrase is used, did not yet know the Lord. For us, what it means and it, what it refers to is someone who has not embraced Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior yet. Do you want to hear God? My assumption is yes, because I can't imagine any other reason to come here on a Sunday morning. If you want to hear God, step number one, you must embrace Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I don't say that. Jesus says this in John chapter 10. Listen, what, hear what he says. My sheep listen to my voice. That's what we're talking about this morning. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. The most important word of, of, of John chapter 10, verse 27 is the first word. My sheep. Not some sheep. No, my sheep. How do you become part of, of the fold of Jesus? You embrace Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That's the way that you achieve initially spiritual proximity. So the question I'm going to ask you is how close are you to Jesus? By the way, just a tangent, um, this thing on Tuesday, the day of prayer and fasting, you know it has everything to do with this whole idea of getting close to Jesus. That's one of the primary emphasis. It's amazing how much fasting is mentioned in the New Testament. It's amazing how little some of us do it. What's the point of fasting? Uh, by the way, I'm going to tell you my day on Tuesday. 
Um, we've given th- people three times to kind of show up here and hang out for 20 minutes and pray or whatever. This is my day on Tuesday. I'm going to skip breakfast and I'm going to skip lunch and then I'm going to have dinner with my family. And I'm going to come here for the first session. I think it opens at six or to nine. I'm going to come sometime during that time. Why not in the afternoon? I got a doctor's appointment at noon. I'm a soccer coach in the evening. I got practice, but I'm going to skip breakfast and lunch. Why? What's the purpose of it? Well, what happens when you skip breakfast and lunch? About halfway through the afternoon, what's going to happen to my stomach? It's going to start growling. It's going to start rumbling because my body is accustomed to getting food, right? What that is intended to do is bring me close to God. Do you know why? Because when my body starts growling, when my stomach starts longing for food, I'm going to pick up my little prayer card that we handed out last week. If you didn't get one, they're on the back table. And I'm going to be reminded that man does not live on bread alone, but lives also on the word of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to talk to him about the prayer request that we have. See, this is a big deal. This campaign is about raising $1.5 million for a future home. But I'll tell you this, we could raise $3.5 million, but if we don't have God on our side, it's not going to matter. It just isn't going to matter. That's why we pray. That's why I want to encourage you, skip one meal. Just skip one meal on Tuesday, and when your stomach growls, you got five things to talk to God about. Why? Because we want to, we want our congregation to be close to God. We want you to be close to God. Third thing, jot it down. Expect and assume that God wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you, not Dave, not the staff. He wants to talk to you. Verse eight says this. A third time, the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and he said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Well, last week we talked about the story of the persistent widow. We referenced it and we said that effective prayer must be persistent prayer. This story for Samuel three is the flip side of the coin. See, the persistent widow reminds us that I am to continue to talk to God in prayer. This story reminds me that God is continually trying to talk to me and you. He doesn't try and call Samuel once. He doesn't call Samuel twice and then go, well, I got a world to run. If he doesn't want to hear me, then it's, you know, too bad on him. No, he keeps talking. It's a third time he tries to communicate with Samuel. You realize God isn't giving up. When I asked you at the beginning of our study, are you hearing from God? Many of you instinctively in your head said, I don't hear him. You need to know he's not giving up. He's still trying to get through to you. He really is. By the way. The word Samuel, the Jewish word Samuel, literally means God hears us. It's literally what it means. Interestingly enough, in this story, it's not about God hearing us, but about God wanting to talk to us. You have to believe it. You have to expect it. You can't doubt that he is trying to communicate with us. By the way, absolutely certain that they didn't believe it in 1 Samuel 3. How do you know? Well, we know from a little phrase at the beginning of the chapter about what the priest was thinking. Let me show you what I mean. Let's put it up there. This is the phrase. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. Well, that doesn't seem very life changing. How do you know from that phrase that they weren't expecting God to speak to him? This is why that is what was referred to as the golden lampstand. It wasn't just some shade that they put in the living room. No, it was called the golden lampstand. It was a special and significant piece of furniture in the in the uh, temple 
It was right next to a table that they had. It was right across from a basin of water that they had. Every single piece of furniture represented something. The golden lampstand represented that God is always available. You are always welcome into his presence. God never turns the light off and goes to sleep. No, the light is always on. You guys remember the old motel advertisement? We'll leave the lights on for you, right? What was the point? The point is no matter what time you show up to our motel, we will give you a room. That's the point with that phrase. The lamp is never going to go out because I am always awake. I'm always up. I'm always there for you. But notice the implication from this phrase. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. What's the implication? That sometimes it did go out. I don't know why. I don't know because they forgot to go to orchard and get some more oil. I don't know if there was a gust of wind and it went out. I, but that implies it went out. By the way, that was against Jewish religious law. And they were letting the lamp go out. Under Eli's leadership, the lamp was going out. Is your lamp going out? Do you live with expectation that God is trying to speak to you? Are you listening for his voice daily? I heard the story of these two guys that were on a busy street in a, in a downtown city. You know, the cars are going by and the people are walking up and down the sidewalk. And it's just, it's the typical city. And one of the guys says to his buddy, he says, can you, can you hear that? He goes, what, what, what are you talking about? He says, can you hear the cricket? A cricket, there's traffic and people are honking their horn and the people, all, how can I hear a cricket? He goes, no, I can hear a cricket. You see, this guy was a trained zoologist. And he said, I've been trained to listen and appreciate nature. I, I think I can hear a cricket. So they were walking around. And sure enough, they found it right outside the, next to you know, the tire of a car that was parked on the curb. And there was the cricket right there. And his buddy's like, how can you possibly hear that? And his friend says, it's because it's because you hear what you're listening for. You hear what's important to you. He says, let, let me give you an example. And he reached into his pocket and he, and he grabbed a, a, a couple coins. He says, I want to show you something. I want to show you how even a small sound people will hear and notice. And he took a couple coins and he just dropped them. And as soon as he dropped them, about a dozen people turned around. Wondering if they had been the ones that dropped the money. You see, we hear what we're listening for. Are you listening for God? Or are you just rushing through life so busy that you assume that the only time you might hear him is on a Sunday morning between 11 and 12? Don't do that. Live with the expectation and assumption he's trying to talk to you. Not just about big stuff, but about small stuff in your life. Because he cares that much about you. Number four, write this down. How do you hear from God? You improve your listening skills. Improve your listening skills. First Samuel chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. So Eli told Samuel the first piece of advice that he gives him. Good advice. Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say this. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We'll talk about that phrase in a minute. So Samuel went. He lay back down in his place. The Lord came and he stood there calling as other times. And he said, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. How good of a listener are you? 
There are some bad habits some of us have when it comes to listening to each other and when it comes to listening to God. Let me give you some bad habits that we have with God. Let's put them up there. One is selective listening. Uh, We pick and choose what we want to hear from God. I like this part of the Bible. I don't like that part of the Bible. I like that part of the sermon. I'm not going to do that part of the sermon. We pick and choose. Very dangerous. Impatient listening. We rush God to get through to us. Okay, God, you've got 20 minutes on Sunday morning. Go. I'm told I need to have a devotional. So, okay, I'll pick up my Bible. I pick up my Bible and I'm going to read for three minutes. God, go. And we rush him. We're impatient. Egocentric listening. It's all about my comfort, not God's glory. God, I want to know how you can make my life better. I'm not so interested how, how we can make your kingdom grow, but just tell me how my life can get better. It's all about me. Egocentric listening. Stubborn listening. We hear what God wants to say to us. We understand what God wants to say to us, but we choose to ignore him. Stubborn. Distracted listening. We're so busy with life, it's hard for God to get through with, to us. I had an interesting conversation about a month ago related to that last one. I bumped into someone I hadn't seen in church for quite a while. And because I care and I'm their pastor, I said, we've missed you. How have you been? What's going on? We sure would love to have you back in church. And this person went on to explain to me that, yeah, you know, we'd really like to be there. But yeah, my my son's on a traveling baseball team and so, you know, we go, you know, we got tournaments every weekend. Well, what about youth group? Can you get them to youth group? Well, you know, there's practices. And this person went on to explain to me how their life is consumed with baseball. And I said, well, how about when, when baseball season is done? Well, you know, then we've got, you know, then we're trying to catch up on everything else we haven't been able to do, like, you know, camping and the jet skis and, and everything like that. Got it. It was interesting because I had a flashback about a conversation, the same kind of conversation I had with someone about five years ago. And just in the last couple months, that same parent came to me and said, David, we're desperately needing help for my son. And I wanted to say, do you remember the conversation we had five years ago? You guys know me. I'm not a legalistic pastor. In fact, some people would say my box is too big. It's too wide. I have no problem if you got season tickets to the Niners or to the Raiders. I have no problem if you go camping or jet skiing. You know that about me. I have no problem with that. The problem that God has is when we clearly relegate God to the back seat. It's always baseball season. It's always swimming time for the kids. It's a comp soccer team. It's jet skis. It's camping. It's golf. I'm tired and on and on and on and on and on and on. And here's all I'm saying. You are putting yourself in a dangerous situation. Enjoy life. When you're not here some weekend, don't feel guilty that God's keeping attendance. He's checking your heart. He's looking at your heart. But understand, there still is a priority. Where is God on your pecking scale? Is he really number one? Are you listening to him? Now, there are some hints in this passage on how to listen better. Let me show you what I mean. Three things. Okay, number one is lie down. The idea is find somewhere quiet without distractions. Find somewhere quiet without... Some of you want to hear God. You really do. 
But turn your cell phone off for crying out loud. I'm serious. Take a moment, turn it off. Um, some of you want to listen and you've got a good place, but you, it, you're choosing the wrong time. It's somewhere at the house, but the kids are running around and this and that and the other. I've told you in the past what my quiet time is. My quiet time is every day when I walk my dog. That's my quiet time. No one bothers me. No one talks to me. I leave my phone at home. And when I walk my dog, all I do is pray. And when I pray at that point, during that kind of prayer, all I do is ask God questions. That's all I do. I'm going to show you how to do that right at the end, give you a prayer exercise. I don't talk hardly at all. I spend all my time listening. But I just ask question after question. But you have to find your quiet place. It could be in your car if you turn the radio off, if you don't have your Bluetooth in, right? You could do it. You just have to find your quiet place. Second of all, make sure you have an attitude of humility. Two times uh, we read that Samuel was instructed to say, your servant is listening. Yes, he's your friend that walks beside you, but don't ever forget he's the king of kings and creator of the universe. So be careful how you come into his presence. Be humble when you come into his presence. And then the third is that remember that prayer is a dialogue. Speak, listen, speak, listen, ask questions, listen. It's a back and forth. It's not just you closing your eyes and talking. You have to learn how to listen, right? Many of you know who this guy is right here. His name is Reggie White. He was a great NFL player. Why he is quite popular in, in our type circles uh, is because of his nickname and who he was as a man. His nickname was the Minister of Defense. And there were two reasons why they called him the Minister of Defense. Number one, he was the top defensive player for years. He was an incredible player. But the second reason is that he was, a, he was an ordained pastor or an ordained minister. And so that, that's why that word, that phrase meant two things, right? Um, toward the, he played most of his life for the Philadelphia Eagles. And right at the end of his career, when his contract was done with the Eagles, he decided to switch teams and go play with the Packers, which is the uniform he has on there. He, he really wanted to win a championship, and they had a really good team, so he went and played with the Packers. And when he was asked by a reporter, why? Why the switch? How did you know that you should switch? This is what, what, what he said. He said, I spent a lot of time praying about this, and one day I was praying, and I heard God say, Reggie, go to Green Bay. And so that's what I did. The reporter looked skeptical. And so White added, quote, you know, when you tell people you've been talking to God, they don't have a problem with that. That's praying. If you believe in that sort of thing, it's okay. But when you say that God talked to you, then they think you're crazy or something. But isn't prayer supposed to be a conversation with God? And in a conversation, don't both parties talk? You want to know why some of us can't hear God? Because you're doing all the talking. You close your eyes, you got your list of stuff you want, and go. At some point in time, you need to learn how to stop, shut up, and listen. Okay? And that's an important spiritual discipline to learn. Last point, we're going to wrap it up with this one. You have to learn how to have a receptive heart. Have a receptive heart. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Do you want to hear God? The answer is this book. It comes through this book, God's word, and you must have a receptive heart. Your ability to hear God is determined by whether or not you have a receptive heart. Now, I'm going to take you, if you have your Bibles and want to flip 
quickly, go to the book of Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 tells the story of a farmer. It's called the parable of the sower and the seeds. And it talks about the condition of our heart and the word. There are three components to the story. As you're turning there, let me put them on the screen and show you what I mean. First, you have the farmer. That's Jesus in the story. You have the seed. That's the word of God. And so the farmer is throwing out the seed of God, right? And then you have the soil, which represents our hearts. And he's saying, you know, when I, when I give people my word, uh, unfortunately, there are different kinds of soil. There are different kinds of hearts. And the story talks about four kinds of heart. These are the four. It talks about hard soil, literally like pavement. You can't grow much on pavement. Shallow soil in that part of the world in Israel. There's some sections that have about that much soil in it and then clay. So it's very hard to grow anything there crowded soil this was the seed that got thrown in between the weeds and the thistles and it was just you know very congested there and then the fruitful soil now i'm not going to read the whole story for you i'm just going to read the punchline. i'm going to read the answer what does the hard soil represent so on and so forth if you want to write it down the hard soil represents the unresponsive heart verse 12 jesus explains it and he says this about the hard soil those along the path are the ones who hear And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. This is the person that is overly skeptical. By the way, there's no problem with asking questions from God. But this person doesn't just have a couple questions from God. They have a thousand questions from God. And I'm not going to believe and I'm not going to trust until I have all my questions answered perfectly. And they kind of have a hard heart. Some of us, um, we sort of believe but but we hear it and then we walk out and we just ignore it. Have a hard, callous heart. We're not receptive. Some of us have a shallow heart or shallow soil. It, re- it represents an impulsive heart or an impulsive person. Verse 13, those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy and they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Okay, let me show you what this person does. They come to church. They get saved. They're all excited. They're in the front row. They put their hands up during worship. They get baptized. They give a wonderful testimony. They start serving. And then they're gone. They just leave. Dude, what happened to you? Yeah, no, I'm not into that anymore. They're very excitable, very uh, impulsive, very quickly. They don't ask enough questions. And then they just drop away. By the way, they do this in almost every area of their life. Yeah, no, I'm going to get this one degree and all I got to do is go to school for two more years and this many credits. I've already signed up and and like three weeks into their first class, they drop out. Yeah, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm I'm, I'm at the YMCA and I got this this regimen that I'm on and everything. And, you know, they got going in their exercise programs two and a half weeks in. They're done. It's it's a it's a sign really of immaturity as it relates to all areas of life. They're incredibly impulsive about everything. Then you have the crowded soil. We've kind of already talked about this. This is the distracted heart. Verse 14, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. They are just distracted by life. They have so many things going on in their life. I, I just can't hear them. 
Now, we live in a society, we live in a part of the country that is incredibly busy. It is incredibly active, which means we have to be even more intentional to figure out a way to slow down at times and hear God. I'm not encouraging you to pack up and move to the middle of Montana. I'm saying you can still hear God in the Bay Area, but you have got to find that quiet place that you can connect to him. And then the last one Jesus talks about is the fruitful soil, which represents the receptive heart. Verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for the one, those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by uh, persevering, produce a crop. They're receptive. Question, can you hear God speaking to you? Can you hear him? I think sometimes when we come into God's presence, uh, we're not really listening. We, we aren't. President Roosevelt um, used to say, uh, Franklin Roosevelt, that one of the things he did not like about being president is the state dinners. At the state dinners, when you're receiving all these people, there the president stands and every person that comes in, the president has to smile and shake their hand and thank you for the contribution or whatever, and smile, shake their hand, and thank you for this, that, and smile, shake their hand. And President Roosevelt used to say he hated that. And he hated it mainly because he had the feeling that when he would engage people in conversation, they weren't really listening. They didn't really hear him. And, and he, he, he decided to conduct a little experiment. They were so excited about meeting him, they weren't listening. And so he decided to conduct a little experiment to prove his point. And so what he did was this. He decided at one state dinner that as people would come in, he would shake their hand and, yeah, it's good to meet you. And then he would lean in and very quietly say this. This morning, I murdered my grandmother. See what they said. So people would come up, he'd smile, he'd shake their hand, lean in, he'd say, this morning, I murdered my grandmother. And sure enough, they wouldn't listen to him. They would say things like, that is lovely, Mr. President. It's good to meet you. It's so nice to be at the state dinner. They never said anything until the diplomat from Venezuela. He shook his hand. President said, this morning I murdered my grandmother. The diplomat from Venezuela looked at him. He leaned back into the president and said, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> Are you listening to God? I'm going to have Terrence come up right now and I'm going to have Sam come up. We're going to sing a song and I want you to allow... Uh, the words of this song to penetrate from your from your ears to your brain to your heart. Um, some of the words of the song say this. Send me a sign, a hint, a whisper. Fill me with life because I am listening. Come and break the quiet. Breath, you're awakening. Bring me the light. What I want you to do is I want you to listen to God through this song. As you're listening, I want you to have a prayerful, receptive heart. And what I want you to do is I want you to say to God the same thing Samuel said. God, here your servant is listening. God, here your servant is listening. And then at the end of the song, I'm going to come back up and I'm going to lead us through a prayer exercise of how do you hear him? How do you listen to him? So listen to this song and then we'll talk. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. And what I want to do is I want to show you what I do when I'm trying to hear from God. 
I want to show you what I do when I'm trying to listen. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you questions to prompt you hearing from God. I want you to say them sincerely to God in your heart. I'm going to give you a chance to just listen. So just like Samuel said, we say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. First question. God, who do you want me to show love to? Who do you want me to help out? Who do you want me to share my faith with? I want you to put their name, their face in my mind right now. Listen to him now. Dear God, I know that you want me to remove all sin from my life. But which one sin do you especially want me to confess? Do you especially want me to stop? Is it pride? Is it lust? Is it anger? Is it gluttony? Is it greed? Is it envy? Which one sin do you most want me to confess and stop? Listen. If he plays something in your mind, take a moment right now. Tell him you're sorry, confess it, and ask him for the discipline to stop doing it. Dear God, what do you want me to sacrifice for the sake of this Imagine campaign? Dear God, how much do you want me to give to this Imagine campaign. Dear God, what do you want me to do differently in order to improve my family? My relationship with my parents, my relationship with my spouse, my relationship with my kids. What do you want me to do differently in order to improve my family life? Dear God, what do you want me to do differently to improve my physical health? Dear God, what do you want me to do differently to improve my spiritual walk? Dear God, what do you want me to do differently to improve my testimony at work or at school? Now let's just talk about what we did. Some of you are like, well, that was weird. Some of you are like, I, I heard God on some of those questions. So you have to have the discipline 
and the belief and the faith that he's trying to talk to you. And you have to figure out some quiet place. And here's the key. You've got to learn to ask him the right questions. And then shut up. And listen to him. Because God desperately wants to speak to you, not just on Sunday morning, but also on Monday morning. And so I want to really encourage you to do what Samuel did. Have a receptive heart and listen and expect that he's going to want to talk to you between now and next service or next Sunday. He wants to talk to you because he cares about you. Why don't we all stand? I'm going to pray for our offering. We're going to sing one more song and then I will let you get going. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you are the kind of God uh, that desires to communicate with us. And it is our um, expectation and our desire to hear from you, Father, not just as individuals, but as a congregation. Father, today, uh, right now, as we um, take time to give to you, we do so because we love you. We do so because we want to build your kingdom through the ministries here at, at our church. Father, we pray that you would bless our offering and that you would maximize it for your kingdom. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the Internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.